I didn't know that song in 1975 when I trusted Christ, but boy, I look back and I think that's when I found it all. Yes. Yes. Everything I'd been searching for. There's a lot of anger in the world, and there was a lot of anger in me. There was a lot of despair in the world and conflict in the world today, and there was a lot of despair and conflict in me. And November the 8th, 1975, about 10 o'clock at night, I found the Lord. And it's been a road, and it's been a journey, but God has... Uh, really been working all of the anger and the conflict and despair. He's been working it out of me. And it's been, a, been an incredible, incredible thing. That's a wonderful song, beautiful song. I'm going to preach to you today about this. Everything that's been said has just been so, uh, this, the music's been perfect for what I want to preach today. And those who know me and been here for a little bit, you know, I, I tend to use a lot of humor. I'm not sure that I'll use it this morning. In this world of sorrow and anger and hate, those without God are also without hope. But with God, we can cope because we have hope. Amen. So I want to preach this morning on how to live. How do we live? in an ungodly world. How do we live in an ungodly world? And it's going to be really, really direct. It's going to be point blank. I'm going to just give you some points on, as I prayed and asked the Lord to kind of direct my mind as to how can we live in this, in this ungodly world, in this crazy world that we live in. And so, number one, the most important thing we've got to do, and this would change everybody in this room if we really did it, and that's we've got to believe the Word of God. Believe the Word of God. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. You don't have to turn to it. I read, I'm going to read a bunch of verses to you today. But Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8 says, The grass withereth and the flower fadeth. God says, you know, that's, it's, all this stuff's going to pass away. He says, but the Word of God shall stand forever. The Word of God shall last forever. The Word of God not only lasts, it stands forever. It, 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 that means it can withstand anything that comes forever. The Word of God is going to be forever. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of, for the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. No matter what weapon is created out there, no matter how great of a weapon that they create out there, the, still the greatest weapon is the Word of God. It's, it's, it's a two-edged sword. It's piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And as a discerner, listen to this, the Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You see, most of us, no, all of us, all we can see is the outward actions of man. Man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. God looks on the heart. Psalm 27, 13 says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know, in times like these, we would faint if we didn't have the word of God. Faint, just give up, just just say, I, you know, I, I just can't go on with this. It's just, 
You know, where's this all going to end? But God says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And you know where you see the goodness of the Lord? In the word of God. You got to see the goodness of the Lord in the word of God. That means, folks, uh, uh, please, we got to get into it. We've got to see it and believe it is real. This, this is God speaking to us. Amen, somebody? I'm getting amen back here. Can I get amen out here? Brother Foster, amen, amen. <laughs> All right, I, you know, this is many years of my life, even after getting saved, I had just the verses that told me how to get saved, told me how to trust Christ. And I was glad to have them. For all of sin and come short of the glory of God, the wages of sin is death, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Those are great verses to have, amen? And that's, but that's all I had. I, that's all I had, and so I was still struggling. I was struggling in my life, but as the, the more and more I got to the Word of God to finally, uh, at one point in my life, I realized, you know, I, I'm serving God, and I'm, I, I'm doing everything I can for God, and I, and I love the Lord because He saved me, but I've got to understand this is His Word. You know, this, right now, when you open that up, you just started having a conversation with God. I was listening to a, a little bit of a preaching this morning as I was driving in and on, on the radio, and, and, and a man said, Boy, Moses had such a relationship with God that God spoke directly to Moses. I think God spoke directly to any one of us this morning. So I believe to see, I believe the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. The word of God is alive. It's alive. Amen. It's alive. It's alive. Okay? It's alive. It liveth and abideth forever. It is alive. It's not just words in a book. God's talking to us. And I'm going to keep saying this until somebody out there says amen. Amen. All right. Thank you. I'm not sure where I came from, but how do you live? How do we live in an ungodly world? Number two, seek and find peace rather than an offense. You know, people today are looking to be offended. We're looking for a reason to get angry. It's true, folks. We're looking for a reason to get angry. We're looking for something to be upset about. I say seek and find peace. We find peace through believing the word of God and through believing the word of God, we can and should praise the word of God. Praise it for its perfection. Praise it for its truth. Praise it for its instruction. Praise it for its answers in troubled times. Psalm 119, 164 says this, seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. Now look at what God says here. His righteous judgments. God says what he does, all of it is righteous. What he does, everything God does is righteous. He said, you ought to praise. He said, seven times a day do I praise you. That's perfection. Number seven is the number of perfection. He's just saying, you just need to keep praising me. And when things happen and you don't agree, God said, praise me. And God says, when things happen you don't understand, God says, praise me. Because it's my righteous judgments. 
A great example of that, Ms. Hansen back here. Been battling cancer uh, to the point, just, just prayed and said, we're not, gonna, we're not even going to do the treatments any, anymore. And, 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 and you know what she does every time you get around her? She encourages you. And you say, well, she ought to be down and discouraged. I'm serving you, God. Why would you let me get sick like this? Why would you let cancer come in my life like this? God, why would you do that? No, she said, God, you know what's best. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to serve you. Keep praising the Lord, Miss Hanson. And if we praise the Lord over everything that goes on, watch what happens here. Look at the verse, next verse. is Psalm 119, 165. It says, Great peace have they which love thy, Lord, thy, thy law. Great peace have they which love thy law. You know what the law is? Great peace have they which love thy law. And watch what it says now. Psalm 119, 165. You ought to mark it in your Bible. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. And nothing shall offend them. Let me just ask you right now. You be honest with me. I'll be the first one to raise my hand. Anybody here, you ever been offended? And I would have put my other leg up there if I could have done it. We've been offended. And God just said, if you really love my law, you wouldn't be. Whew. Do we, hey, let's go back. Do we believe God? Do we believe his word? Okay, he just said that if you really love the law, you won't be offended. It even said, and nothing shall offend them. Well, I got my feelings hurt, and nothing shall offend them. Wow. You say, you got that mastered? No way. But I'm trying. And I understand the answer. The answer is not in my self-control and in my character. The answer is my love for the Lord. My submission to the Word of God. Are we doing all right so far? We're just getting started. All through the history of the world, there have been conflict between races and peoples. It's all through, I started yesterday just reading history of conflicts. There have been tribes and peoples who have fought and died over their differences, over lands, over possessions, over power. Today, we in our city and our country face a time when the word of God has been set aside. It is no longer seen as the holy God for our lives. Today, retaliation is the answer. Am I telling a lie, folks? Today, retaliation is the answer. Vengeance is the answer. And not even vengeance against the perpetrator but rather vengeance against anyone who is not like you or who is like the one you believe committed the offense. There's this extreme feeling of vengeance. Sadly, many in our world seek an eye for an eye or even greater, a life for a wound or multiple lives for a life. But that's not what God teaches. 
That's not what being a true Christian is. We believe the word of God and trust the God of the word. For he has said, ye have, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, uh, 38, ye have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If any man will sue thee at the law and take away that coat, let him have that cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. And just for the young people, twain is not somebody talking about a train with a hair lip. It's two miles. And the soldiers in that day could come and the, and the people, basically Rome had everybody in captivity at one time. And they could come to anybody and they could come to them and said, you must carry my pack. You must carry my things for a mile. They, were, they had to carry for a mile. And God says, hey, if they come and say, you got to do this, I'm commanding you to do this. God said, don't just carry it a mile, carry it too. Verse 43 says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor. Listen to this. And hate thine enemy. He said, Hath been said. About who? That's what, we, that's what the world says. Love your neighbor. They're good to you? Okay, love them. They're not good to you? Hate them. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Look at what it says. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be, listen to this, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. What he's saying is, he says, my children don't act that way. That's children of the devil. He said, my children love their enemies. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sent rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And that doesn't mean you do everything right on time. Perfect means mature there. Perfect means grown up. Perfect means having an adult Christian attitude where you say, God, I know your word. I'm trusting your word. I'm going to believe your word. And I know there's evil out there. But dear God, I'm not going to treat people evil because evil has come upon me. Folks, I beg you, I'm, I, I was praying before I came in here. I was praying last night and saying, Lord, let Calvary Baptist Church be a lighthouse to Memphis. I tell everybody everywhere I go, we love each other here. And if that love and that compassion and that patience could spread to our city, it could change our city. How do we live in an ungodly world? Folks, stop seeking vengeance. Unless someone decides to stop the cycle of vengeance, it of course will never stop. It will only increase exponentially. 
Somebody's got to stop seeking vengeance. If I walk over here and slap him, he's got two choices. He can stand up and slap me back and say, oh, or he cannot slap you. No, that's not the two choices in our world. He can stand up and slap me back or he just get up here and go slap them too. And that's kind of where we are. I'm just going to slap everybody that looks like you. Folks, that's not, we don't need to be acting that way. You say, why are you preaching this to us? We're Calvary Baptist Church because we've got to go out into this world and make a difference to everyone. They got to see that the people that drive out of here, well, first of all, they don't need to see the way we drive, but they, they got to see the people drive out of here live different, treat people different. React differently. We seek vengeance not because we don't know or believe the word of God. When it says Hebrews chapter 10 verse 30. For we know him that has said vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense saith the Lord. You say I want vengeance. Well can I just tell you that's in God's hands. That's in God's hands. And I'm telling you, there are some things that happen, uh, and I've had to, you, you know, everybody know what the word empathy is? You know, sympathy is you just feel something for somebody, but empathy is when you put yourself in their place. And it wouldn't hurt us a little bit to put ourselves in the place of somebody else every once in a while. And I'll be honest with you, I have to admit that Sometimes I see and I hear and things that have happened. And I think if I was in their place, I tell the Lord, dear God, it would take every bit of grace and mercy and patience and from you for me not to react. But see, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I truly can do all things. And so through the strength and power of God, no matter what comes, I've got to act like Christ would act. You say, well, how did Christ act? We talk about injustice, being beat beyond recognition. Beaten beyond recognition, his body ripped apart. You say, well, what could he do? You know, he's tied up. He's God. He could have called 12 legions of angels. You know, they say that, I think, that's 76,000 angels. In the Bible, one angel slaughtered all kinds, slaughtered armies. What could Jesus have done with 76,000 if he looked at them and said, I'm going to retaliate against you? for what you've done to me. But he didn't. He didn't. He said, how do we live in an ungodly world? Luke chapter 6, verse 36, we need to learn to forgive those who have hurt us and forgive those who have hurt others like us. 
Say, who are like us? That's anybody that believes like we do, lives like we do, lives where we do, goes where we go. You know what that is? That's any of us. Listen to what Luke says. Luke chapter 6, verse 36. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. How are we doing, folks, right now? Let me just, let me just say to you, if right now it's kind of twinging in your heart saying, wow, I don't know if I agree with this. It's not me that's saying this. This is God. That's why I started off that we got to believe this book is God. It's God speaking. Because I'm not saying that Almighty God is saying, be therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. How do I live in an ungodly world? I got to refuse to be angry. Oh, I got to refuse to be angry. It's easy to get angry, isn't it? You know what makes people angry? Injustice. I'm not saying that everything that's happening in this whole world is just. Can I tell you? A whole lot's happening right now that's not just. It's not just. It's because we live in a sinful, wicked world. It's not just. And injustice causes us to be angry. Unless we believe the Word of God and we yield to the Word of God. And what is the Word of God? Look, social media and the news, the world are all angry. And watch this. Not, they're not only angry, they want to stir up everybody to be angry with them. What's the answer? Refuse it. I'm having no part of it. The Bible says, Proverbs 16, 32, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Say, man, I want to be strong, and I find strength in my anger. Hey, folks, we're not the Hulk. Man, all this world, I'm just waiting for people to start going, because it makes me strong in my anger. No, no, no. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. You say, I want to win over. I, I'm going to conquer that city. Listen, and we got people that want to do that. Listen to me. Hey, we can conquer this city if we rule over our spirit. Proverbs 19, 11, The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Look what it says. It's his glory. A man, he says, he deferreth his anger. It's just this, this man, uh, the discretion of a man deferreth it. He said, I'm going to set aside my anger. I'm going to put aside this anger. And it's his glory to pass over a transgression. I've been treated unjustly. I'm not going to get angry. I'm going to let it pass. Does this sound contradictory to everything that we know in this world? 
because, this, because Satan has taught us that we need to live by retaliation. We need to live by vengeance. And that's not what God teaches. And folks, I'm telling you, people, so long as there's people in this world, I don't care who they are. I don't care what they look like. People are going to be unjust to other people. People are going to mistreat other people. Let me ask you this. Have you ever mistreated anybody? You just be honest and say, yeah, I probably did. I, I really shouldn't have said, done, whatever did. Okay, I'm just waiting for all hands to be up here. We're just going to stay here until all hands are up. Because otherwise, I'm just going to point my finger at you and say, you're a stinking liar. Are you... And you know what happens when we've kind of lost our temper and we've lost, our, you know, we've gotten angry and we've responded and we did something. You know what we wanted to do, when, especially if it's family? And we finally come to our senses because the anger's gone. We want them to forgive us. How many would you say that after you responded in this anger, vengeance, towards somebody and you wanted to all stop and be cleared up, they were now angry and wanted vengeance toward you. You ever had that happen? You ever had that happen? Yeah, it's called marriage. Okay, so, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway. Ecclesiastes 7, 9 says, Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry. Look at this. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry. This is a tough part of this verse. For anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Scripture says, make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man thou shalt not go. Lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. How do we live in an ungodly world? We refuse to be angry. So it's just going to help you right now. Everybody that's angry at me right now, stop being angry. But everybody, everybody who's not angry at me right now, would you smile at me? Now, if you don't smile, I'm going to think you're angry at me. And then I'm going to take vengeance. All right. <laughs> How to live in an ungodly world? Stand for Christ. Amen. We are not in this world to be against people. Get this, please. We are not in this world to be against people. We are in this world to stand for Christ. In 328 A.D., some of you probably heard this story. There's a city high in the icy mountains of Armenia. 
It was a bitterly cold winter, and in the middle of that winter, an order came from the Roman emperor that every man, woman, and child under the rule of his empire must bow down to him as a god. There was a powerful force of Roman soldiers in that Armenian city known as the Thundering Legion. Their reputation as a powerful military force was known throughout all of the Roman Empire. But the emperor was not satisfied with their military service. He wanted each soldier to bow down to him as a god. When the time came for each soldier to bow down, 40 could not. They were faithful soldiers, but more importantly, they were Christians. They could not obey the emperor's order to make him their god. They said, we can only worship the one true God. When the word of these 40 Christian soldiers refusing to bow down and worship him was received by the emperor, his command back was simple, bow down to me, reject your Christian God or die. But the 40 Christian Roman soldiers did not bow down. So the decision was made that they would die. And I want you to understand, these are 40 trained soldiers who know now that they're going to be put to death, but something very subtly in here is you'll notice that they did not begin to fight. They didn't try to escape in that sense, knowing they probably couldn't. But I'll be honest with you, the natural inclination is I'm going to die, I'm going to take you with me. You understand? But the general didn't want to lose these 40 good soldiers. He said, simply bow down to the emperor and save your life. But they did not. The soldiers taunted and laughed at them. Soon you'll be back. You will bow down. You see, they took those 40 soldiers to a frozen lake in the middle of a terrible storm. They stripped them of all their clothing and left them to freeze to death. Now... The other soldiers laughing and mocking them. But soon the laughing stopped when these 40 Christians bravely walked barefooted across the icy, freezing lake. The freezing, bitter, cold night went on until finally the cold was too much for one of the men. He staggered back to the fire and agreed to denounce his God and to bow down to the emperor. But the remaining 39 Christians would not give in, even though they were literally freezing to death. Then amazingly, something happened that they could not believe. One of the Roman soldiers sitting by the fire, having watched the bravery and courage and faith on these dying Christians, he stood before the general and uttered these words. I will take that man's place. I will be a Christian. And the general watched in amazement. This Roman soldier removed his clothing and walked onto the icy lake to join the 39. The Roman soldier sat by that fire all night long and the last thing they could remember hearing through the howl of that terrible freezing winter storm was the now 40 Christian men as they sang, 40 wrestlers wrestling for thee, O Christ, claim for thee the victory and from thee the crown of life. 
How do we live in an ungodly world? We live for Christ. We stand for Christ. You say, what good will it do? Can I tell you what good it will do? Those 39 men stood for Christ. They suffered. They froze to death and died singing. Forty wrestlers for thee, O Christ, claim for thee the victory and from thee the crown of life. They kept singing all night this song. And watch this. Hey, it may only have been one, but one soldier said, I believe in their God. And you know what will change this city? What will change our community is a group of people that have said, I don't care what you do to me. I don't care what you bring in my life. I don't care how it comes. I don't care about the injustice. I'm going to stand for Christ. For the love of God. We're simply to live for Christ as Paul lived and believed when he said, for, for, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live in peace with Christ, we must first truly know Christ. If we know Christ, then we will live at peace in Christ in this ungodly world. If we would believe his word. Folks, Calvary Baptist Church can make a difference. I believe it's already making a difference. When I, and I hate to even do this, but when I first came here, and I hope they don't mind, but when I first came here, there was a sweet couple that were very kind to me, very encouraging to me. His brother, Mrs. Foster. And shortly after I got here, Brother Foster was in the hospital for a stay, and I, I wasn't the pastor here. I was the interim pastor, and I went to the hospital room and had prayer with him, and really just meeting Mrs. Foster. And there she gave me a hug. And Brother Foster grabbed me by the hand and said something to the effect of, I'm praying that you be my pastor. You got my vote. But see what I have today, I got a pew full. A pew full where the love of Christ has filled that pew. When every reason, forgive me, it could be division. Right now I see a family sitting in unity. My brother and Mrs. Foster got a son and granddaughter and grandson that have trusted Jesus Christ. To live in peace with Christ, we must truly know Christ. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? 
you don't, you can this morning, and you can begin a journey of peace. A journey where anger doesn't have to dominate. A journey where vengeance is not the end game. To be like Christ. And Christ was not about seeking vengeance. Even Christ said, that's God's business. You say, well, Christ is God. He is, but he came in human form to us. And he showed us, vengeance is not mine. Vengeance is God's. Jesus brought us to live love. And, and that's a misunderstood term today. But if we truly love Christ, a lot of people say, well, we just need to love God, love Christ. Well, if you love me, keep my commandments. And his commandments was, be ye angry and sin not. His commandments are all these things I just read to you. Let's bow our heads and...